this series we've been in, uh, looking at the lineage or the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We've been looking at people uh, in his family, in his story, that ultimately generations and generations and generations went by before Jesus Christ. And we're going to go way back this morning to a man named Abraham who was uh, at the very, well, close to the beginning. And we're going to look at this amazing interaction that God has with Abraham that ultimately is an expression of God that we see throughout Scripture. And it ultimately is an expression of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it is a message that can change your life, that can transform your, your life. Now, one of the things when, you, when you're learning about the Bible, you'll come across language like covenant. And you might hear that word in, in churches and sermons and things. And covenant simply means, it's an older word that we don't use a lot, but it, it means contract. It means promise. It's, it's me coming to you and saying, I'm going to promise to do that for you. It's you saying to the bank, I promise to pay you back for my house. Covenant is a biblical word that ultimately means uh, contract, promise. And, you know, we live in a time uh, where, it, where, you know, we write. We're, we're a written culture where Jesus' time and pre-Jesus was an oral culture. So where we're writing things down and we all can read what's been written, they didn't have resources like that. And so stories were told. Uh, contracts were made, as we're going to see this morning, in a unique way. But um, I, need, um, I need a volunteer. I don't really do this very often, but uh, I need somebody to come up on stage. Don't be shy. Come on, it'll be fun, I promise. There we go. Joe, come on up. That's perfect. Well, get up here. Joe McDonald, our state representative. So this is, this is great. This is awesome. This is a person of power. Um, and this works out really well for me. Come, come over here. Okay, I already introduced yourself. So Joe McDonald, I love this guy, great guy. Um, I have something for you. I'm, wi- I'm wondering if you're willing to read it. Okay? And then um, I'd like you to consider signing it. Okay, so... Just go ahead. And that's where you would say your name. Okay, the open spot. So got some cheaters. I don't, I don't I, well, I did, but I don't have them with me. I, okay. Joel McDonald, agree to give Aaron Sorensen nice, expensive gifts every year at Christmas for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it, do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe one year. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's for you. God bless you. Know, God bless you. And I can't wait to see what you got. But he didn't sign it. So first service, just so you know, Joe, nobody signed. The guy didn't sign it either. So it's, it hasn't, been, hasn't worked out for me yet. But thank you for coming up. Now, so there's good contracts. There's bad contracts. I think that's a great contract. Most people don't. So, you know, but if Joe signs it, I can hold on to that bad boy, and every year at Christmas, I say, Joe, what do you got me? You know, but this is how we, we, make, uh, we make 
promises to each other, legal binding contracts, right? So you're going to go and, and buy a house and you're going to borrow money from the bank. You're going to sign on the dotted line saying, I promise to pay it back. And if I don't, written into the contract are, are things that you know, you're liable to, that you're responsible for. In essence, you're saying, like, I promise to pay this back, and if I don't, you, you know, you have a right to do this to me. Charge me fees or sue me or whatever it might be. But it, it creates an agreement between you and another party, ultimately leaving you responsible or liable to whatever the agreement has laid out. So we, in a written culture, we sign stuff, or don't sign stuff, um, in an oral culture, it was done very differently, and uh, to us, it's weird. But, nonetheless, symbolically, uh, or it was done in a way that two parties understood what they were both agreed to. And I want to show you a story in the Old Testament of Abraham, who's the... the you know, we, when we talk about Abraham in the Bible, he's, he's, he's like a father, you know, Father Abraham. And, and maybe you've heard that before, but, but he was the father of really the people, the nation of, of Israel. And early on in the book of Genesis, God takes Abraham and he brings him and he says, Abraham, outside, he goes, look up at the, scar, the stars in the sky. You see all those stars? Abraham looks up and he just sees the vast multitudes of stars and he says, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you descendants, as many of, of, as stars as you can see. Beyond what you can see, I am going to give you descendants, a family that is going to be a blessing, not only to you, but ultimately it is going to be a family that I am going to use to be a blessing to all people. We're talking about the family of God. And so God has, has entered not only relationship with Abraham in this moment, but he's also entered covenant. He entered contract with Abraham. Like, I've made this promise, Abraham. You are going to have a family. You are going to have a descendant. And this is what I'm going to give you. And so there's this, this agreement. I mean, and, and Abraham has a, a, a decision. Like, do I, do I trust it? Do I trust God or not? Like, do I believe him at his word or not? And what happens is as time goes on, the real practical problem emerges. And that is, Abraham and his wife Sarah are unable to conceive. It's like, well, God, if you're going to give me the vast multitudes, you got to start with one. Like, if, if, if there's not a first, there's not a second or a tenth or a thousandth. And so as time goes on, Abraham, I would guess, begins to doubt. And that's just human nature. I'd imagine some of you here are struggling because you've, you're, you've been waiting for something. You've been waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. That You've been waiting for God to show up in a meaningful way. You've been waiting for God to maybe give you something that you've been asking for for a long time. Or maybe you've been asking uh, on behalf of someone else. Maybe there's a, a family member that you just, you want so desperately to know Jesus Christ. And you're just, it's been years that you've been praying for him. And, and, and they, they're no better than they were five years ago. 
or closer to God than, than, than five years ago. And you just wonder, God, are you ever going to show up? Are you ever going to hear my prayer? Are you ever going to turn to me and listen to me? And, and long periods of wait test our doubt. Test our faith, test our perseverance. Like we, are, we find ourselves wondering, God, can I really trust you? Are you really going to come through? Are you really a promise keeper? And that's where Abraham finds himself. God's given him this promise, but nothing has happened. And he's getting older. Time is ticking away. And circumstances aren't looking in Abraham's favor. But he's been called to wait. Advent is a season of waiting. It pushes against all of the, 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 this culture that we find ourselves in of immediacy. That, that one of the challenges of, of life and following Jesus is often his timeline doesn't match ours. Things don't come as quick or uh, as fast as we would have liked. Things don't happen in the, in the way we write it. And what's, what's difficult is we are a less patient people than maybe ever before. I mean, you guys remember when Amazon Prime came out? And you could get something in two days? I remember like when Amazon Prime came out and you could get the two-day shipping. And then I'd go look and I'd start, you know, I want to order something. And it wouldn't be two-day shipping. It wasn't Amazon Prime. I'm not order. I, I would not order it. What, I got to wait three days? Are you kidding me? Five days? I can't handle that. I need two days. Now, you know what the problem is? They do same day. So where two days was like, oh, two days was good. That's, that's what I'm at. Now if it's two days, I go, gross. Like, I'm not going to order that. I got to find something. I pay $3 and it gets to my, my door in four hours. We're being like trained and it's an, I mean, it's actually amazing that you can order something and you get it the same day. And that's not a bad thing. It's not bad at all. But what happens is it, it's, it, it, it trains us to just sort of go, we get what we want when we want. Like things are at our fingertips. Immediacy, like getting, getting what we want when we want it right away, like that's the norm. I want to feel good right now. You know, I, wanna, I want the things that, that I want, I want now. The things that will make me feel better, I want now. And that pushes against a God who often calls us to wait. Sit in the uncom- Advent is about sitting in the uncomfortableness of the wait. And just let it, let it hurt a little bit. Like, I, I'm not going to get what I want right now. That's okay. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek God. See, waiting builds our faith. It builds our perseverance. It gives us strength. And it forces us ultimately to rely on God. To wait on God. And that builds character. But it's hard. It's painful at times. But the hope of Christmas, the hope of 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 Christ is ultimately that God is a God who forever keeps his promises. Despite the timeline 
and things going the way you want, despite how you feel, despite how easy it is to want to give up, despite the, the seasons of life or the years of life that you've waited and you go, there's no way God's going to come through now. Despite all of that, God keeps his promises. Jesus, Christmas, his birth is a promise that was kept by God. That for generations and generations that people were told that that the Messiah would come. And generations and generations went by that never saw the Messiah. And who probably wondered and probably there were people that convinced themselves that the Messiah would never come. But just because they didn't see it in their lifetime didn't mean God didn't keep the promise because he did. We're just blessed to be on the other side of that. But boy, did it take people of faith for generations to go, we pray, Messiah, come. We believe you will fulfill this promise. God, we trust in your timing. How many of us have to say prayers like that for the things we're waiting for? It's hard, I know. But God is a God who keeps promises. Let me show you. Abraham's story is all about waiting, but it's also a story of grace. It's a story of God coming through. It says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So this is before his name was changed to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abram. Um, What's happened in the chapter before is uh, Abraham I'm going to go, I'm just going to call him Abraham. Abraham um, has saved his nephew Lot from these sort of tribal forces that, that, are, that, have been tr- that were trying to kill Lot. And so Abraham is worried like, oh, uh, they're probably going to come after me, right? And so Abraham finds himself in a spot where he is in danger and he's afraid. And God comes to him and says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. But, there's that word. Abraham stands before God and goes, don't be afraid, I'm with you. And Abraham meets God where he's at, with what he's feeling. And that but is this but of doubt. Abraham said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, no servant in my household will be my heir. So God comes and goes, I, Abraham, don't be afraid, I'm with you. I am your shield. And it's interesting because Abraham doesn't respond like, yes, you are. And let's go. In a very human way. He meets God in a vulnerable, honest way. I got to thank you that you're my shield. Thank you that I'm safe with you. But, you know, you made this promise with me and it hasn't come to life. You know, you told me that I would have children and I'm getting older. And this is problematic because if, if I die... All of my inheritance is going to go to this other person. You know, a servant in my household, not my son. And I would say this, look, 
God doesn't, God can handle our doubts. And his, God's response here is pure grace. It's funny because, I don't know, I've, you, sometimes I've heard people talk about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's hard to, to sort of reconcile the story of God in the Bible because the God of the Old Testament is so different than the God of the New Testament, and we see a God of, of judgment and harshness in the Old Testament, and then we see this God of grace and love and kindness in the New Testament, it's like, oh, I, these don't match, and so it must just all be a, a fairy tale, and yet I go, you're just not looking close enough. The God of grace and mercy, he's all over the Old Testament. It is the very character of God. And here is a moment where we see that character in God of grace and mercy. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him. This is verse 4. This man, meaning Eleazar, um, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside. So there's this like reestablishing of this promise. Almost, hey, I want to remind you. Remember we had this moment together? He says, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham is credited righteousness. Why? Because in faith, he goes, okay, I'm going to believe God. And that's all you and I can do. In faith, choose to believe. Because it doesn't seem here Abraham felt great about it or certain about it. It just said he chose to believe. He believed. And I think we tie belief so much to feeling that you've got to feel it to believe it. That's not faith. Faith is like, I don't see it, but I'm going to believe it. I don't feel it, but I'm going to think otherwise. You know, Abraham's like, I am an old dude. Should not, like, I should be thinking about uh, being an empty nester at this point in my life. Not a father of a newborn. It, you think like he, I, I would imagine he's feeling the tension of all that. And the worry of all that. How is this going to work? And yet it just says he believed the Lord. And that's what we can do or not do. I'm going to choose to believe in God's promises or not. But God credits Abraham with righteousness because he chose to believe. Despite what he saw, despite the circumstances, despite how he likely felt, he goes, nope, I'm going to believe. And I'm, I'm going I'm to hold on to God. And I'm not going to let go. Verse 7 says, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Shaleans to give you this land to take possession of it. But, here's another but, Abraham just loves, he's, you know, he's one of us. You, you read these people and you think they're superheroes. They're just, they're, they're everyday, they're you and me. Just filled with doubt, filled with fear, filled with insecurity. So God's all right, you know, okay, we're agreeing upon the kid thing. Now I'm going to give you this land. He's like, well, I don't know. Like, can I trust you? He goes, but God, Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said, and here's what, it's all leading to this moment. 
here's a new contract, a new covenant. And this is where things get weird. But it's amazing. So the Lord said, to bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So here, I asked earlier, in a, in a written culture, we make a contract by signing stuff. In an oral culture, you made a contract by acting it out. So if some of you are actors, you're going to love this. But the, the, the thing is, is you, you would act out the agreement. And ultimately, you would act out if that agreement, if that contract, if that covenant was broken, you're going to act out the curse that is put upon your life for breaking that covenant. So, he, so God says, hey, go get, these, go get these animals for me, all three years old. And it's interesting, at, at verse 10, it goes, Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. God didn't have to give Abraham instruction of what to do with the animals because Abraham knew, and this was, and because it was a practice of this day, how to enter contracts, Abraham knew what was going on here. So when, when, when God said to Abraham, hey, go, uh, go grab these animals, Abraham didn't have to be told to cut them in two because he knew, okay, I'm about to enter contract with God. I'm about to enter covenant with God. Because this is, this is what was practiced, and this is ultimately what, uh, how, one of the ways you entered contract at this time. You would take animals, and I know it's weird, but hold on for a second. It's weird to us because we're, we're in a different time in a different culture. And you would slice the animals in two, and then you would place them as like, uh, an, uh, almost like a hallway on both sides with a spot that you could, you could walk through. And the point was this, if I break the contract, may I be like one of these animals? May I, like if I, if I am not a, a, a man or woman of my word in this binding agreement that we're making, may I become like one of these animals? May I, may I be cut off? May I be sliced in two? May I experience the wrath that has been put upon these animals. And so what you would do is often, if the people were equals in sort of stature, meaning me and you, we would just, we would hold hands and we would walk through together the, the hallway, for lack of a better term, of 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 animals. And in doing so, we're both agreeing to the contract. We're both agreeing to what we've laid out. It's done in public so people can see it. And we're saying together that if, if I break my end of the agreement, or this person over here breaks their end of the agreement, that we, you know, may, may this happen to us. So, Abraham goes and he gets some animals Some of you I know love animals and you just can't handle this. So I got unicorns to make you feel better about it. Hold on a second. I hate that sound. (laughs) Do you know how many times I've heard that? 
So anyways, we put, you know, you, you got the one unicorn and you slice it and you got these animals. Okay. Now we have two kind of unicorns, right? Notice that God said bring some birds and he didn't cut the birds. Why? Because God loves birds. <laughs> and if you know me, I only mention that because I'm a bird watcher. I love birds. How am I? I love God. He loves birds. Anyways, so Abraham cuts it. We have our unicorns here that are cut. Um, Joe, do you want to enter a new contract, a different way? Um, but the expectation, as Abraham stands here, is that they're going to lay out what the agreement is. And not that God and Abraham would walk through together, because this is another port in part of how these contracts were made. If a contract was being made between a king and like a vassal, in other words, someone of high stature and someone of lower stature, the king would never walk through. Only the vassal would walk through. And so let's say, and this happened, like a king takes over a, a, a people group or a nation, often what would happen is, okay, you're going to become, you're, you need to agree to these these things, you need to become, you know, sub, uh, subordinate to us and our people and adopt our ways. And so often what would happen is the leader of that, of that people group or army or whoever it might be would participate in this act. And the king would stand or sit on his throne or whatever, and the vassal, the, the lower person, would then walk through and say, look, if we break this, if we don't abide by what you've said, if we break the contract, cut me in two. May I be like these animals. And so, the stage has been set for a contract to happen, for an agreement to be made. So, um, verse 10, I'm going to start there again. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, so he's, he finds himself in this kind of deep, dark experience where he's not actually asleep, but he's in another sort of, I would say he's, he's, his eyes have been closed to the physical, his eyes have been opened to the spiritual. And it's like this, this thick, heavy uh, darkness that overtakes the setting. And it says this. Then the Lord said to him, and this is the contract, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and, what they, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward... They will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old, good, good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet been reached its full measure. So what's happening is God then lays out, here's the promise. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a lot of them. And you're, they're going to have a lot of them. You're going to see a family turn into a nation. That nation's going to turn against me. They're going to go into exile, but do not worry. I will bring them back. Story doesn't change. Promise hasn't, ch hasn't changed. And guess what? You, Abraham, you're going to live, you know, a long, full life. And then, um, but these promises will come. So 
life. And so there it is. There, this is the contract. So now Abraham's going, oh, what's my part in this deal? That has to be what he was thinking. So, okay, what's next? Like waiting for the, okay, this is what I'm going to do, Abraham. I'm going to bless you, do this. And Abraham was listening, and he must have been thinking, okay, what, then what? Like, okay, what's my part? He's waiting for God to say, and you will um, be really a good follower of God and pray 10 times a day and uh, tithe 53% of whatever you have. And, you know, he's waiting for like, okay, what is my part in this? But God doesn't say anything more. It says this, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So before, you know, Abraham's thinking God's going to say more, but all of a sudden this smoking fire pot with the torch, like weird, right? Like, what is this? Appears. And passes through the pieces. What's happening here? God himself, this is amazing. This is what's amazing about this story. God lays out the promise. And then what, when we see in, the, in, in scripture, often the very presence of God, it comes in what? Fire. The, the, the pillar of fire. We see the fire at Pentecost. Like uh, We see the burning bush with Moses. Like, this is, this is the pres- this is God. So God makes a promise, and then while, while Abraham is waiting for God to sort of say, and this is what you're going to do, and Abraham is expecting them to say yes, and for Abraham to walk through the pieces, God just stops, says, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is my promise. These are my promises. And then God himself goes through the pieces. When the sun had sent darkness, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And then it goes on to, do, to express that covenant. It is amazing who goes through the pieces. The king never goes through the pieces. God goes through the pieces. In essence, what he's saying is, I made this promise, Abraham. And if I do not deliver on that promise, guess what? The, make, the impossible can become possible. God, I, I'll be cut off. I'll, I'll die. May I, you know, exp- may I absorb the wrath of the broken covenant. It is utterly amazing. I mean, this one, God goes through, and Abraham's just sitting there watching. But it's also amazing who doesn't go through the pieces. That's Abraham. This is the God of mercy and grace in the very earliest days, showing his character. Abraham does not do a thing. He does nothing. He sits and he watches. You fast forward. And in Mark, it tells us that the sixth hour, dark, a deep darkness came over the land. The prophet Isaiah said that the Messiah would be cut off from the land of the living. This covenant, this promise, this act of sheer grace... It's just foreshadowing 
Jesus Christ. That, that we, we, we broke the covenant. We are children of wrath. We, in our sin, we broke the covenant. And our guilt, and in our guilt, we deserve the wrath. We deserve to be cut off. We deserve to be sliced into, we deserve to die. And yet, who passes through? Who takes the wrath? Who takes the death? While we sit back and watch Jesus Christ. Some of you, you know, you go, I've got to be a good person. You know, you're, you're, you want to walk through. And you're trying to live a life where you can justify your, you know, your, your walking through and earning your salvation. You don't get to go through. You can't do what Jesus already did for you. It's pure grace, pure gift. Some of you go, well, I got so many doubts and, you know, I'm so confused and there's so many hurdles between you and God. You know, I gotta, I've got to rationalize everything and I've got to intellectually work out everything before I can do it. And it's like, look at Abraham, he's a mess. Doesn't have it figured out? Full of doubt? Going this way and that? It's a story of everybody in the Bible. Messing up, not perfect. If you had to have it all figured out and 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 have all of your intellectual doubts sort of worked through and all that and, and, and done all the good things that you think you need to do to get to God, there wouldn't be anybody there. God, God goes, here's the covenant and there's nothing he says to Abraham to do besides just believe. Just receive it. That's it. And then he goes through. Jesus is him coming to life, to be God, Emmanuel, with us, to ultimately pass through again, taking the curse that we deserved. And the invitation to you is to not sit in your shame and, and try to earn it or be really good and try to earn it. No, it's just receive it. That's all you get to do. That's all you're being asked to do is just receive it. And that might, some of you here have never received it. And you're working really hard to either get it or you're struggling because you're not good enough to receive it. Guess what? Yeah, you're not. Either am I. None of us are. Abraham wasn't either. It's grace. It's the gift of grace. Stop trying to earn something Jesus already secured for you years ago. And my invitation for you this Christmas is... If you've never said yes, you've never just stepped back and received from Jesus Christ salvation in and through his name, I want to invite you this morning to say yes to that. So I'm going to have you, I'm going to have the band make their way up. I'm going to ask you to just drop the lights um, if you could. When I was a kid, I grew up in the church the pastor would do these things called altar calls and, and they would say, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, you know, like say this prayer, follow me. And then, you know, come up front or raise your hand or do that. And, and uh, I, 
I remember as a kid, like, the pastor always got to see who it was. Like, they'd say, everyone else close your eyes, and then if you want to stand up, you know. And then as a kid, I'd go, that's unfair. So I'd always look. Um, and now I'm a pastor, so I get to look. But, I, you know, we shied away from this, I think. I've shied away from it. I'll say, hey, here's Jesus, and here's what we're offering you. And if you want to receive this, just in this moment, receive it in your, in your heart. But the, I was just thinking about this. I go, man, this is like going between the unicorns. It's like this very public thing, right? Jesus died in a very public way. Jesus died in the most uncomfortable way. And yet we're trying to make it super comfortable for everybody all the time. It's like, what? well, this is not an invitation to be comfortable, it's an invitation to trust and get out and, and experience God and, and, and look at what he did publicly to demonstrate his love for us. How can we not respond publicly? So I want to ask you to respond publicly this morning. And maybe it's the first time you're ever going to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've turned and you've been working really hard and you need to recommit your life to Jesus because you've been working really hard to gain his, his salvation, gain his forgiveness, to, to, to earn his his salvation, and you just say, you know, no, I'm going to just receive his grace. So maybe it's the first time you're going to say yes to Jesus. Maybe it's a recommitment to say yes to Jesus. But I'm going to ask you, if in a moment, if you want to say yes to Jesus, to stand. And it is this, it is this actual, like, you standing. And guess what? I want you to stand because I want his eye to be on you. I want him to see you, and he will see you, and he will meet with you, but he passed through for you, so I'm going to invite, I, wanna, I want you to close your eyes, and I, Holy Spirit, I am not, I'm not the one who saves, you are We're nothing. We are of the dust of the earth, and yet we are created in your image. Love by you, Jesus. Love so much that you would die, that you would take the curse. And I pray, Spirit, that, that this message, it's your message, would be impressed in a real way on people's hearts. And I invite people to turn to you, Jesus, now. You invite people to turn to not me you do so with people's eyes closed i just i'm going to ask you to stand go ahead and stand up if you want to say yes to jesus this morning if you want to recommit your life to jesus this morning if you want to receive know that he sees you know that he loves you know that he just he receives you with whatever you brought into this place Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that your spirit, in a real way, would show up in each of these people's lives. That that's the promise you give, that you give us a spirit. And so we just claim that promise. I claim that promise for these people. And I pray, God, um, as I ask everyone else to join and stand, go ahead and stand. Everybody, let's all stand together now. That we would feel your pres that we would feel the presence of those around us to know that we now 
have been adopted into a family. We are not religious people now. We are the sons and daughters of Christ the King. And that the people around us are our brothers and sisters. We no longer live alone ever again. Because you are Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. But we also have a family of believers. So for those who stood, I pray that they would know that they are not alone. Or never will be alone. They may feel it. But it will not be true. And I pray, God, that your promises, the promises that you give, would be manifest in their lives. Give us patience to wait on you, Jesus. Give us the courage to continue to move forward, to pray, to seek you in times of difficulty, in times of waiting. But Jesus, this is, this is a moment to rejoice. That there are angels in heaven right now rejoicing because of the lives of people who stood to say yes to you, Jesus. There is new life in heaven. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's clap. That is worth celebrating. Welcome to the family of God. He loves you. He saw you. His eyes are on you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with you and will forever be with you. And I just invite you, if you stood, like, join us in a journey to following Jesus. Come talk to me, staff person. Email us, email me. We're so excited for you. Doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed. Doesn't mean everything will be easy. 